information that's come to light. Um, and since then, and now okay. I kind of don't feel like helping her. I think she, you know, she doesn't want to be trained. She's not interested. I don't think she's the right attitude for it. Um, but I would like to be unbothered by all of this. Okay. So, um, I forgot to hit the record button. I just okay. hit it. So okay. can we back up? Can, you don't have to start completely over, but you okay. were saying how, um, the, just to catch everybody up to speed, this is a um, an MA in your office who has been promoted to a kind of a head MA position. Yeah. She was not offered any training and she's also not functioning like a head MA in the office. Mm-hmm. And what we talked about the other day was some reasons why that might be. But now you said new information has come to light and you may have a different um, desire for an outcome at this point. So what, tell us what is new. Yeah. um, So what's new here is I found out from one of the other staff members that when she refers to me, she refers to me by my first name and she's been doing this for months. Mm -hmm. Um, She doesn't do this with any of the other doctors. Um, Since that incident, you know, she hasn't approached me at all. Um, She ignores me in clinic. If I need something, you know, she'll do it. But um, she likes to chat with my MA. So if she's at my nursing station, I come over there, she'll immediately go and leave. Um, I did talk to one of the partners about this, um, Mm -hmm. mostly because I don't really feel that our practice manager has been appropriately managing her. And that's how she's been allowed to sort of behave this way for so long. Um, And he basically told me, right now, there's other stuff going on. Practice manager does not have time to deal with this. Um, He didn't want to... um, uh, he did not want to elevate her to the lead MA, but he did it out of necessity. And he agrees that like, it's not working out, but right now we're not making any changes. Just suck it up essentially. And I was like, okay, so in this shit show, I just have to suck it all up. Fine. You know, just deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but just how to not get annoyed. Like every time I see her ignoring me in clinic, even though the benefit to this is that all the inappropriate comments have stopped, like the inappropriate, like sexual comments, personal life comments, because she doesn't talk to me anymore, like all that stopped. That's like the only, I would say the one benefit to this. So now just like learning that, oh, for all this time, she's been, you know, referring to me by my first name, speaking to me about, you know, inappropriate things at work, um, not listening to when I've asked her to stop doing that. I'm just like, I don't think this is someone who, is interested in being trained or like wants to do any better. Okay. Hang on just a second. And, you know, I did tell the junior partner cause she's refusing to learn how to do things correctly that it's affecting our billing and stuff like that. And he says he knows, but, you know, it's not like there's better employees out there. And right now we just kind of have to deal with what we have. Um, okay, so this is probably one facet of a number of facets that you have shared about this particular group and some of the challenges it's facing, challenges it's facing right now um 
So my sense is that there's probably like an overarching situation, you know, like with some of the things that you shared, it seems like there's something else is probably going on with the practice. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, in general, um, at least for the year and a half I've been here, the group has a severe lack of like leadership and management and all the staff knows. And I think that's how they, it's like literally a circus. Um, but the group is having significant, significant financial difficulties. He told me, you know, the practice manager cannot address her issues because he's busy trying to figure out how we're going to keep the lights on. And once we can get bought out, things will get better, this and that. But it's all sort of theoretical, like, when is that happening? Um, and then, you know, they say a lot about the money. I've talked about the money on here. But then I see instances where we're maybe hiring people we don't need and, you know, funny stuff that's happening with money that I'm like, well, is that really it? But that's the reason that they're giving me. So one is like, we have no leadership in that or management. And then mm-hmm. number two is because of the financial issues. I think everyone's really distracted with other things. Right. So, I mean, it sounds kind of like a little bit chaotic and, you know, I think probably at the end of the day, your, um, your time there might, I I think is probably limited, right? Like you're, you're going to stick it out for a certain period of time just because of some constraints that you have. And then once that is done, then you have some freedom to move about the cabin, so to speak. That's my plan. Um, I don't think that the buyout is going to make things a whole lot better. Um, and then I know for me to be a partner in the future, I would have like less, um, you know, potential benefit after a buyout. So Mm -hmm. unless like some miracle happens and the buyout turns everything around, um, I would plan to be limited here. And I know that, um, but you know, it's like, how can I be a little bit less bothered by all this for the amount of time I still have to stick it out? Yeah. Right. Like you don't want to suffer this whole time. Yes. And I, I am suffering every day. So I would like to not suffer for the next year and a half. So this is really an interesting proposition. And this is something that we can probably apply broadly to other situations where we just feel like we are at the mercy of the thing that's going on. And this we see this all over the place. Like you have a microcosm right here within your group, but we see it on a larger scale with healthcare. We see it in other groups in their own little microcosms because each group has a culture that's fed by its own individual issues. Um, So I think that this is going to be really relevant to deal with in an effective way because people could really learn, right? Like And I think one of the issues with just using the model to try to change our thoughts about the situation in a, in a way so that we can just tolerate the situation is an option. Like that's, it's an option to do that, to try to like, you know, have gratitude for the things that are going well and, um, you know, try to kind of like do some mental gymnastics just to be okay with the dirty diaper that you're sitting in, basically. Um, And so, you know, you know the model, you know how to do that. We've Mm -hmm. taught that. I just have made a personal shift 
where I don't want to um, endorse that as a coach. So let me just shift gears a little bit and let's just see, okay, if you're there and maybe it's just the way of the world that this place is going to be a complete shit show. Um, Just like maybe it's just the way of the world that other places are a complete shit show and the healthcare system's a complete shit show. And like, maybe that's just the way it's going to be. Or maybe there's something that you or really any of us as we face our individual situations are bringing that are contributing to it for us and for our experience of it. And I think that's where you can kind of decide how you want to engage with all of this and decide who do you want to be in this shit show? Do you want to be somebody who's just um, kind of like flying under the radar, not rocking the boat, just kind of doing bare minimum just to get through it without more stress? Do you want to be the type of person who is going to try to make a mark and just do the best that you can with what you have and try to leave people, leave it better than you found it? Or are you going to be the type of person that goes in and tries to like fix everything? And the cool thing is, is you have a choice. You get to decide how to spend your energy. And you're there, you're living it every day. We're just trying to get a sense for what it is. I think we have a pretty good sense, but I mean, the the, the um, choice is yours. And so if you have a certain desire about how you want to spend your time, that would be really helpful as far as how to direct the next steps. Yeah, so I would like to be more empowered. I mean, I've never been someone who's just been like resigned to the fact of it is what it is. And I know everyone says that, I shouldn't say everyone, but advice I have been given is, you know, the people that are sort of the happiest are the ones that like don't have expectations or just accept the situation as it is. And it's like, well, what if it's a really hard situation to accept? Or what if it's just not working out that way. So I've never been someone who's like, oh yeah, okay, let's just like chug along. I'm much more that middle, well, right now, I'm much more that last option of let me fix everything, which isn't working, just bang my head against the wall. So I would okay. like to be more of that middle person you suggested who's like, oh, okay, well, you know, do what you can, leave your mark, um, but do it in an empowered way. This is such a great point that you're making is you're like, okay, I know I'm not, the first choice. I'm not just going to like put my head down and pretend like everything's okay when it's not and just do my, do the least and fly under the radar. That's really good information. And you know, you've been trying to, to do everything and that's also not working. So now you've reached that middle ground and that's really, really useful because the thing that you have available to you to come in and leave a mark is you. It is you being um, the type of person who takes great care of patients, which we already know is true. Excuse me. That was a hiccup that we already know is true. Well, I maybe not everybody else knows, but I know some details that give me proof that you're the type of person who will go to the ends of the earth for her patient. Yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. We also know that you have um, desire for the whole 
ship to be running more smoothly. And while it sounds like the efforts so far have not been met with any sort of um, progress, I think that if you, um, um, let me see if I can think this, say this in a way that is an empowered way. So hang on just a second. Let me formulate it. Um, For the people that are on this call that may or may not have been on previous calls, lately I've been using this term vibe a lot. So um, I know that Pilates has heard me say this like ad nauseum, so I'm not trying to kind of bore you with the same word over and over again. But we know as sensory beings, we know what each other's vibe is. And even though the words we say that would go in the action line of the model. Hang on, let me um, let me see if I can write this out because this will keep my COVID brain on track. I'll just erase this, which is from the other night, and we can say. Okay. Hopefully this is visible for you guys. Okay. So C T F A R. Okay. So I'm going to put say words in the action line. So often we say words in the action line to other people, but the words we say carry with it the residue from the thought and the feeling. So if we say a word, I'm thinking of one particular example right now of one of my senior partners who um, would make these comments in the OR to the circulating nurse about not having stuff that we need. And the words he was saying is, we need, you know, we need X. We do it the same way every time. But the word is dripping with condescension. And if the vibe is condescension, it's like, what is fueling him saying those words? We, we need X. We, we do it the same way every time, but you can feel it. It's like emanating from him of just condescension. So what he's actually thinking is you fucking idiot. Right? That's what he's thinking. And he's probably the feeling is something along the lines of, um, um, disdain or, um, what's the word when, when we think we're better than somebody, um, superiority, superior, perhaps, because that it's like the words, as he says, these words, it's like, they are dripping with this vibe of condescension and you, and I've been in the room when this happens and I look at the OR nurse and I just see her deflate. And I'm like, as if she's the one who like is responsible for the fact that this obscure thing is not here right now. And 
or maybe it's not even an obscure thing, but she's not the one who's personally responsible, but he's just, it's just like this cloud of condescension that goes towards her. So the reason why I'm making such a, uh, such a dramatic example out of this particular event is to just call your attention to when you're showing up and you're engaging with people, whether it's your patient, your MA, the nurses, your boyfriend, your mother, your sister, whomever, whatever it is that you're saying and doing in the action line carries with it a smell, a a, a cloud of, of a vibe that gives other humans clues about what you're really thinking. And it's so powerful. You've probably been on the receiving end of it, I would imagine. It's so powerful that when you're on the receiving end of it, you can actually even imagine what the thought bubbles are above their head as if they're cartoons in a in a cartoon, in a comic strip. Like you can see the thought bubble. Like, oh, that guy thinks I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> like you can see it. So knowing that that's a thing in human communication, then you can do something about it. And the way that an effective person shows up is having the best interests at heart for not only oneself, but for everybody around them. You don't even have to really do anything differently in the action line, but what has to change is the the thoughts and the feelings that are fueling it. And if the thoughts and the feeling the thoughts and the feelings are driven by I care about what's best for everybody, then you it, then the residue just is a residue of service to everybody. It's magnetizing. People listen. People don't feel judged. People um, people don't bristle against it. And it's just an option that you have. So if you're noticing that these interactions drain you, some of the ones that you've described, and if you're wondering what it is you can do to make your experience of this better and to make your, to leave a mark that's going to make the place better than it was, better when you leave than it was, that's the way to do it. Yeah, I think draining is a great term. So that's exactly how I feel after any interaction, after going to work every day, like Monday through Friday, and then whatever weekends I work, like just a drain. Yeah, because it's like trying to nail a custard pie to the wall. It cannot be done. There's nothing to grab onto. So human interaction is a really fascinating thing. And people respond to this stuff. And you, I've told this story a number of times. There was this guy... He was a hand surgeon who was amazing. So probably him just being a badass had something to do with it. But he just cared about everybody around him. And he would walk into the room and he would just say, okay, everybody, today we have the happy room guarantee. I'm talking about the OR. And the OR is a pretty high stress environment for many people, namely the support staff. It is very stressful for the support staff and it's stressful for us too, because we're ultimately responsible for the patient. But at the end of the day, if you were a patient on that table, wouldn't you much rather have a surgeon who everybody in that room gives a shit about and who wants to help 
rather than the surgeon who nobody wants to help because they're such an ass or condescending or judgmental or um, insecure. Like just thinking about it from what you would want if you were the patient on the table. Yeah, for sure. You know, I would definitely want the one who had the best skills, obviously, but like that, like all skills being equal, I would want the person whose team was functioning properly, not the one who doesn't listen to other people, who judges other people. Um, But anyway, so back to this guy, he would say, okay, today we have the happy room guarantee. And he would, like stuff went wrong. It's not, you, you don't, it doesn't. Um, make you Teflon. It doesn't make you um, not have complications. It just makes experiencing those things so much better because you have a team who has your back when that happens because they know you have their back too. Yeah. That's it in a nutshell. So that would be my recommendation. Okay. So just for the um, video, Sunflower asked, are you the only female in the group? And Pilates responded, yes, of course she is. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) We we may not be having this discussion otherwise. I was coaching somebody the other day. I should you not. Um, She was like, um, she's like solo out at this community hospital that the kind of the parent hospital is trying to establish a program at this community hospital. And they basically foisted her into a position with absolutely no support whatsoever. She's playing the role of intern, resident, PA, secretary, surgeon, social worker, all of it. And she was I forget the whole conversation, but she was talking about, well, who, you know, this other person who could potentially be in that role, which is this dude in the group. And she's like, well, I don't know how he's going to do it. And I'm like, he's not going to do it. (laughs) He's going to say, fuck no to all that stuff. It's just not even going to be an issue. (laughs) No, that's so true. We're seeing that with our practice manager. Now our old practice manager was a female who took care of everything. And this new one has actually told our PAs it's not my job. And it's like, well, it's what you got hired for because he's a guy. He really doesn't care. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was just thinking as you were giving your examples, um, maybe like thoughts and feelings and I, you know, and kind of like the vibe you're giving off. Um, mm-hmm. it's very Gen Z, the vibes are off. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I think when I, so we've had a lot of MA turnover. So these MAs did not see me then, but when I first came, um, I was all, all about it. I, I was like, you know, I was hospital employed before. I didn't like it. I loved being in private practice. I thought it was so much better. Um, mm-hmm. And I think my whole attitude was like, yay, let's make this work. But then after our practice manager left, um, a lot of things went downhill. Um, she was sort of the glue that came that kept everything together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just, you know, the things that have been happening, like financially, me not getting paid anymore, I've so, or not getting paid, like, you know, what I the way I'm supposed to be getting paid. Um, I think the attitude has kind of shifted to this effing place or like, what's the point? It's not going to work out long-term anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, none of these MAs were there. Well, my MA was, but like when things were like really short staffed, I'd like buy lunch and stuff just to keep them going. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think because it feels like the whole office feels like, oh, what's the point? Like this effing place, like, why are we all here? That I think... um, 
you know, some of that stopped or I didn't feel like it was appreciated. So I kind of stopped it as well. Um, but I don't know if they're getting a, well, if she doesn't care, why should we vibe? Um, but unfortunately, I think the whole Could be. office has that vibe. Yeah. And the funny thing is, this is an interesting, maybe like an alternative way to think about it. This is a training ground. Maybe this place never, never turns around. And there's a lot of MA turnover, like you described. But you guys are in it now. And there's the possibility to make it a pretty amazing training ground now, if you want. So even these MAs that leave, when they have an interaction with you that is in service to the patient, I always want to emphasize the patient first and foremost to ourselves, obviously, we're not going to sacrifice ourselves. We're not in the business of being a doormat or um, being a martyr. That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting engaging in a way where everybody benefits. So yourself, your patient, your MA, because they're going to watch you. They're going to learn from you. And then they're going to move on to the next thing. And maybe something you did impacted them in such a way that they're able to pass that on to a patient in the future or in, in a, um, a job or whatever. We don't know how all these things are connected in the grand scheme of things. And this seems like such a small chapter in in the entire story of your life, but you have a choice right now of how you want to show up and how you want to write that chapter. And if it's that middle ground that we talked about of just leaving the place better than you found it by showing up in such a way that you're in service to everybody around you, including yourself, then that's what's going to happen. And it's just not going to suck as bad. It's not going to feel so terrible every day. Yeah, I mean, one of our MAs that left, he actually sent me an email before he told anybody else that he was leaving, like, hey, I'm leaving. I just can't take that environment anymore. But I want to thank you for all the teaching you've done and showing mm -hmm. me what it's like to be an ethical doctor. Um, this lead MA knows that I will take the time to teach and train the staff, which obviously like slows me down. Sure. But what she does now is instead of training them herself, she will say, oh, we'll put them in your clinic because, you know, you like to be hands-on, this and that, and then they can help you. And as soon as they're trained, she'll take them and give them to one of the other doctors. Um, and then my MA wants to, like, further her career after working with me, um, which is awesome because I think her original plan was just to be, like, a career MA. Um, yeah. So I think it's one of those things where there's a few receptive people because I'm happy to do it. I still do all the teaching and everything, um, you know, with our new PAs and stuff. There's people that are receptive, but I'm finding that the staff that are most impactful, like the ones that are quote unquote managers and stuff are not sort of responsive to that or interested in that or whatever. And then it's like their tone that I feel like then trickles down a little bit as well. They do. It does. Their vibe is just like stinky, stinky. It's like a bag of dead raccoons. Everybody can smell it. So you know, you can jump in that bag of dead raccoons and have a stinky vibe too and just be miserable the whole time. Or you can just show up and do your thing mm -hmm. and then get through your time and move on unless that miracle happens, which, you know, stranger things have happened. Maybe. Maybe one pig's fly. Well, you know, it's <laughs> interesting about this vibe. It's interesting. Like, we just don't know the effect we're going to have, right? Somebody said bright light. Um, says, sounds like the staff are responding to a power vacuum. That's right. Um, 
What's a, what does that mean? A power vacuum? So there's nobody that's leading, right? Oh, yes, it's like yes. a giant vacuum and it's sucking yes. everybody up. That's and exactly there's what no it is. leader. Nobody knows what to do. So you can show up in your little corner of the practice and just lead yeah. and get people to follow you and do what you want. But to do that, you got to be magnetic and you got to um, have that vibe that I was describing and it will work. Uh, but, oh my gosh, do you guys know Jocko Willink? The, um, he's the Navy SEAL. I love this guy. He tells this really interesting story about how when he was like a junior enlisted person doing some kind of a SEAL drill on an oil rig, there were a bunch of, bunch of people there. They were, um, their task was to clear this oil rig. It was an exercise that they were doing. It wasn't real world stuff, but he, he stepped back and nobody was saying what to do. There's all these people with guns and blah, blah, blah. And they're supposed to be clearing the oil rig and they're all in formation and nobody's doing anything. The entire echelon is like still. And he's looking around like, what the hell? What are we supposed to do? Not even the leaders are leading. They're not saying anything. So he steps back and he gets a bigger view, which is actually in my dream sequence that I told you guys about the other day is widening the aperture. And he's noticing, okay, every single person here is looking down the barrel of their own gun, which means that is all they can see down the barrel of their own gun. And he's looking around like, oh, hmm, I'm the only one that's actually looking at the entire the entire field of view here. So he yells out, hold left, flank right, or I don't know, some military command. Just like he said he had to calm himself down. And then he had to just go for it because he knew he'd probably get reamed because he's this junior guy. But he's like, hold left, flank right, or whatever the term is. And then sure enough, everybody responded in turn, hold left, flank right, hold left, flank right. Um, And then at the end, they did this debrief and he thought he was going to get reamed by the, by the officer. And he didn't. They complimented him on taking charge in a situation where nobody else was doing anything. So that's the example of a power vacuum where human beings need a leader. And if there is a power vacuum in this group, that's going to make your experience there bad as well. And, you know, will you be able to change anything? I don't know, but you can change your experience of it and you can change how you impact people for sure by acting in a leadership role, as we just described. Um, So I have tried to do that. um, And I find, again, like my MA is obviously responsive, um, but I'm finding, this is my assumption. I don't know if it's true. This is what my feeling is because I'm not a partner Mm -hmm. and they know that the partners aren't going to do anything. The practice managers aren't going to do anything that even though there's like someone trying to lead them, it's almost like they don't want to be led. So I guess my general question is like, how do you change that vibe? Like the vibe around yourself to make them want to be led, if that makes sense. Right. You show that you're invested in them and their own well-being. So for example, if you are starting out at the beginning of the day and you have your team there, we have, we have teams everywhere, right? So mm-hmm. in a clinic, you, you have your team. Who's the team? It's you your MA, maybe the receptionist, the patients are part of the team. These are all the stakeholders in the day. And, you know, it's nice to check in with people and say, okay, well, what would make this a good day for you? Mm -hmm. Like, 
this is super cheesy, but it's something I do. I read <laughs> people liked it. People would actually come into the OR from other ORs just to hear us do this. It was so fun. There's this book called The Gap and the Gain. It's a really fast read. It's very practical, but it focuses on what you are, um, well, what you've gained rather than what you're still lacking. And um, so every day in the OR, first thing in the morning, we would do the timeout and kind of get things going with the case. And it was obviously only during a safe time. We would go around the room and just say, okay, what are your three wins from yesterday? And it would be me. I would always go first because I didn't want to ever have people be voluntold to participate. And I would always say, listen, nobody has to participate. You don't have to share personal stuff, but this is super fun. And we would go around the room saying the three wins we had from the previous day. So I would start, then the resident would go, the scrub tech, the anesthesiologist, the x-ray tech, the scrub nurse, um, sometimes the rep who was there. (laughs) And only one time, I did this hundreds of times, and only one time did somebody not feel comfortable sharing. And later that night, she called me and she said, listen, this was just personal. And I didn't want to share it with the whole room, but I really wanted to share it with you, what my gains were from yesterday. And, um, they, they had to do with her weight loss journey and she was just feeling a little bit private about it. She's like, I think what you're doing is so amazing because what it does is, is everybody in the room then gets this sense for other people in the room and on the team being a human, having human goals. And you when you ask what their win was, you get a sense of what matters to them. It's just information that helps you learn about who they are as a human and what drives them. And we, I did it so many times that we would have people coming into the room from other rooms just to share what their win was. Um, it's just a, it's, that's an example. Uh, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do it that way, but that's just an example of how to, in a very non-judgmental, very fun game type of way to get to know people and understand what, what would be important to them. Like what's a win for them. And once you know, then it all becomes very, very easy. So you did life win, not just like OR win. Yeah, life win. Like people would say all kinds of stuff. Like I made this recipe last night. It turned out so good. And then I got to eat it with my family. Oh, and then you get to be like, oh, well, who's that? And you get to learn about who their family is. And a lot of times they were exercise goals that they met. A lot of times they were... um, a lot of times they were work goals. Like there was this really hard thing. This patient almost died. And this is the thing that I did. And that actually contributed to saving this person's life. It's just, it, it's easy. It's just so easy to care about people genuinely, you know? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's very good. disarming and very yeah. magnetizing. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, so I'll go ahead and lower your hand. And then um, I think I have a fever because I'm sweating. (laughs) Okay, does anybody else have anything to talk about? Am I red? Okay. We have 20 more minutes, you guys. Let's Let's do a good job. And anyway, if nobody has anything to talk about, then I'll go ahead and go through my dream sequence again. (laughs) Okay, good. Here we go. Gray cloud. Uh, Hi, gray cloud. Hello. How are you? 
I hope that you feel better soon. (laughs) 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 I'm delirious. (laughs) But when you posted the other night that that's what was going on, I was like, yeah, I could. Now it all made kind of sense, you know, <laughs> like she just doesn't feel good because it just takes it out of you. Um, okay. So here's, um, a little story that I have, um, that happened today. I, um, probably two or three weeks ago, I did a, um, I was on call and, um, at a patient that came in with a perforated appendicitis and was um, had an abscess, like poop sitting there in the abdomen. Um, and she's also on immunosuppressant medications. So I took her to the OR, did everything laparoscopically. Everything went fine. Her hospitalization was uneventful. She got better and she went home. And a few days later, she came back in or her primary care called our office and we got her right in like within, you know, as soon as she got there, like 30 or 45 minutes and said that she, so that then she didn't have a fever and, but she was having a lot of diarrhea. So I don't know. I, I kind of, I thought, well, what I'm going to do is get some lab work um, and let's, let's look at that. And then we'll make some decisions about imaging if you get worse, you need to go to the emergency department. Okay. okay. Um, which is how we typically handle things. And so, um, unfortunately the labs has changed and it takes about a, a day to get lab back. It's not quick. It used to be like with, within like an hour, you could get a CBC, but you can't anymore. So, okay. um, I think she was more concerned. Um, and so I said, okay, well, I'll go ahead and order the CAT scan. But the hospital policy is like a stat, stat imaging, I think has to be done within 72 hours um, or three work days or something like that. So it's not like I can order it stat and that means it's going to happen today. So there's mm-hmm. definitely been some changes. So again, if it's, if you feel worse, go to the emergency department. Okay. So she got her labs and her, she got the imaging and she did have an abscess. Um, so, um, the next morning got her set up with interventional radiology. They placed a drain. So all this happened within very efficiently. Um, even with the, the, uh, the way the, the timing that's has to be allowed for the testing. Okay. So drain in and she's doing fine. She comes back, um, a few days later and not much had come out. So I contacted the interventional radiologist and said, Hey, not much is out now. Do you mind if I go ahead and pull it? So I did. And then she was, she and I talked and I said, okay, if let's make an appointment for two weeks from now, but of course, call if you have any problem in the meantime. And then um, if you're doing great at two weeks, just let us know and we can cancel the appointment. But I want a appointment there for follow-up. Okay, so, well, today, my one of my bosses told me, sent me the, the text that said, hey, do you have time to talk about a patient? Well, of course, whenever you get a text like that, it means, yes, of course I do, right mm-hmm. this second. Yeah. <laughs> 
let's talk about it. <laughs> so I called him and he didn't have time right then. So of course I had to wait. <laughs> and um, so then um, figured out, I guess she did some kind of formal complaint that, or wrote a letter that said that she thought I was uncaring and didn't believe her. And he wanted to know my side of it because he said that that wouldn't be typical for me. Um, I don't know. It just kind of makes you feel really cruddy because I know I provided excellent care. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't change the patient when they come in and they have their immunocompromised and they have a bad disease process going on. And, you know, I, everything was documented. Um, I, I thought I had very reasonable decision-making and I shared the decision-making with her, but I, I guess it's all in the perception. So her perception was that I was uncaring. And so I guess that's my, um, my circumstance is she said, I am uncaring. Okay. Um, hang on just a second. Um, so you got to help a bone sister out here. Is this the way that this sort of thing is supposed to be taken care of? Because I don't know. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This so would be. The, the course. Nothing is, was weird. Okay. So the course is standard. Let mm-hmm. me ask you this question. She's on an immunosuppressive medication for what diagnosis? Oh, gosh. I can't remember if it's like rheumatoid, I think. Or maybe it was psoriasis. Okay. But like pretty standard there. Yeah. The problem is it, and I do always tell patients when they're on one of those medications, like ideally if it's an elective surgery, if possible, we're going to stop that. Um, Usually skip a dose. Um, But sometimes that's not possible when they come in with an emergency situation, but that just really makes, you know, people not heal as well. And so and more exposed to infection. Yeah, I mean, I know what you mean there. Um okay, so we were just talking extensively about vibes. Yeah. And generally as humans, we are sensory beings and we can pick up on each other's vibes. So yeah. what is the vibe you were picking up from her? Well, maybe looking back, I think she didn't the vibe was that she didn't trust me. Maybe. Okay. And so what gave you that, what, what makes you say that? Well, now, because that's what she wrote. <laughs> okay. And if we were like painting the scene, what are the words she's saying to you? Like, could you see her thought bubbles above her head? Yeah. Like maybe her thought bubble was, um, why isn't she believing me? Um, I, uh, what does this girl surgeon know what's going on (laughs) does she even know what she's doing okay and what would you say your thought bubbles were about her and this is a completely judgment-free zone my friend because we all do this okay yeah like the words that come out of our mouth sound super lovely but what we're thinking is oh my goodness you are crazy you're yeah 
Like, well, I've done I mean, this a million times. I have yeah. a, a small subset of patients that have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which oh, yes. no offense Very to difficult. anybody if you have a diagnosis of Ehlers-Danlos because it's miserable. But yes. It is difficult to tease apart what's real and not real. And you're kind of like, oh my God, is this real? Even though the words you're saying are, okay, we're going to do all the tests and we're going to, yeah. you know? So is there any truth to what she's saying in, in a complete, I'm asking you this in a completely non-critical, non-judgmental right. way. I don't, I mean, I I guess my thought was, why is she not trusting me? Like, I know what I'm doing and I have a good plan. Like my plan was get some lab work. I don't want to expose somebody to more radiation. If, if they're white, you know, if their white blood cell counts normal. And so this is fascinating. This is important. Now, were you thinking that at the time or is this after the fact? No, I, I remember thinking this at the time and sharing that with her and her husband. I, and maybe this is to my detriment that I'm not, um, oh, I forget, like, uh, you know, a lot of older surgeons maybe are very, um, uh, when they, uh, I forget, like it's a paternalistic mm-hmm. where they just say you should do, this is what you should do yeah. and this is what I'll offer you. But I do a lot of, here's my reasoning. Mm-hmm. And if this, then I do this, like... And I try to write that all in the chart, which of course they can access now. Yeah. So this is an awesome example. And I'm really, really happy you brought it to the group. Because if at the time there's something about distrust in the air coming Mm -hmm. from you or coming from her, this is the sort of shit we can smell on each other. You can just pick it up. Right. That's probably what fueled the um the complaint. Now, did anything is anything factually wrong about what you did? No. Did anything factually bad happen? No. no. It's uh-huh. just this complaint, right? And then now you have yeah. to live with the complaint and respond right. and you know, like how right. are you gonna show up to that? And then so either it's just the way of it that we can, you know, write off these patient complaints as being stupid and um you know like how dare they and that sort of stuff which i mean like they kind of are stupid but <laughs> but they can give us some clues about human interaction and human engagement and right. my guess is is that there was probably something going on because if you're thinking they don't trust me mm-hmm. and she's thinking hmm, i don't trust like, her <laughs> i don't trust her <laughs> it's going to feed off each other, irrespective of the word you're actually saying. And so right. if she it makes a complaint about how I didn't feel like the patient, I didn't feel like the doctor believed me, mm-hmm. it's because she's picking up on some form of mistrust. Yeah. Super, super good example. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I don't. It's kind of, I guess she thought I was gaslighting her maybe like she didn't, I don't know if she said that, <laughs> but yeah, know, I, and was... I mean, I know you and I know that was not your intention and there right. are so Definitely many not. other factors that impact our day. In fact, I was just trying to play around with the, um, share screen. Cause I was going to try to make a, um, a visual for you guys, but I don't know if it worked or not, but I feel like 
our days are largely characterized by a string of ugly pearls and each little <laughs> pearl is like a freaking tornado. Yeah. And we just go from tornado to tornado to tornado to tornado where we're just getting like whipped around. Right. All these things, you know, you got getting pulled in 10 different directions. Right. All this stuff's happening. Then this lady comes in and we're just like caught up in this vortex of a tornado. And wouldn't it be so great to just have order and ease right. and calm and to not have everything be a freaking tornado? And this might be a good time because we're like coming close to the end to share this tool that I've been working on for everybody. Mm -hmm. to, when you notice you're in a tornado, which undoubtedly you are caught up in a tornado right now because this is making you feel terrible, right? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's called D-R-E-A-M, dream. Yes, it spells dream. I couldn't help it. So the, these are steps um, that you take, like actual steps. And then these are the skills that are required for each step. So the first thing we do is you notice you're in the tornado, the tornado du jour, and you're like, ah, I'm in the tornado. You stop. You have to pause and observe. So it's a detachment. And even though this is going to seem like, like really long and dramatic, in, in real time, all this stuff can happen very quickly. So pause and become an observer of the situation. Those are the skills. You have to stop. And sometimes the pause involves pausing just in your own mind. Sometimes it involves actually physically removing yourself from a room. So either internally or externally, and then you become the observer. Whoops. Observe. Okay. Then the next thing you do is regulate. This is where you call on those nervous system exercises that we talked about ad nauseum just to help regulate your nervous system. So dial down the sympathetic tone with your physiologic size or your humming or your tapping or your walk or whatever. Hopefully that takes no more than 30 to 60 seconds, but just give yourself that gift of regulating your nervous system because you know when we're in the storm, it's like a stress response and it's really, really hard to be effective in a stress response. Okay, so we're gonna um, decrease sympathetic tone, increase parasympathetic tone as the skills. Okay, the next thing is externalize. This is an important step because this is where we want to step outside of like the egocentrism that most humans have. And of course, there's a reason we have that. It's for survival. But this is really a chance to focus outward and determine who's on the team. Like who are the stakeholders here for this particular um, instance of a storm for you, gray cloud. Oh, it's so good that you're gray cloud. It's a storm. Um, <laughs> it's like you're a stakeholder, this lady and her husband are stakeholders. Maybe your senior partner who called you in to talk about it might be a stakeholder. Maybe your family's a stakeholder because your job is important for financial security. I don't know. You can just take a look outward and externalize your focus to see who are the stakeholders right here on this team. You need to know who they are and start to really go from like a um, centripetal focus to a centrifugal focus outward. And then um, 
The next thing you do is analyze. So now here's where you wanna widen your aperture. So look at the whole playing field. It's not about just this um, review. That is way too small. It's tunnel vision. It's like when I was describing with the last person, those people looking down the side of their guns, it's the only thing they can see. This is about something larger. It's it's multiple patient interactions. It's her whole experience she's had with every other healthcare provider ever, which has got to be a lot if she's taking an immune suppressive drug. Like there's just so much more to this field than this one tiny thing. So we got to widen the aperture and look at the whole field. Then you want to tell the truth. Okay. So the truth is, is you said words, she said words, you did, you did things that followed a certain standard of care. Um, and you just were really honest with us. Like, yeah, I had this vibe of like, why doesn't she trust me? And so, and then we can only imagine that the truth from her is, is a vibe of why should I trust her? Um, and then, you know, there are whatever facts you want to bring into evidence there for telling the truth. And then the next thing you do is triage. Okay. So what's important? What can I just flush right down the toilet and ignore? And what do I actually need to deal with? And that's where you can start to triage what needs to happen, what steps. Like maybe in this instance, you do nothing for this particular thing, but you just take a note and learn about what to do next time you show up with somebody. Maybe there's a some kind of a system of um, service recovery. We have that. Uh you know, who knows? I don't know. But you just figure out what you need to do. And then the last thing is, is move. Specifically move forward with, um, it's like re-engaging because this, we detach in the beginning and then all this stuff happens internally. And then you re-engage with the situation and act with a noble purpose. And the reason why I have noble purpose in here is because we matter 100%. Our health and well-being matters, but so does the health and well-being of everybody else around us on the team, particularly the stakeholders. And when we act with a noble purpose, meaning what's best for us and what's best for the well-being of everybody else, that's when we're truly in service to making the world a better place. So the whole result of all of this is that the world gets better when we show up and act from a noble purpose. So this is just like an easy sequence you can use to remember when you're like stuck in your storm and you're like, ah, I don't know how to get out of this storm. What do I do? Well, these are just super easy things to practice doing. Mm -hmm. Okay. What, what questions do you have? We didn't do a model. We didn't ask you to be okay with getting a shitty review. <laughs> no, I just need to mull it over more and not yeah. take it personally. Well, I think we've all gotten one. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Um well thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Does anybody else have anything to add? We have one more minute. All right, guys, this has been COVID coaching. We'll see you next time. I think next week. Thank you for joining me. Take care, everybody.